This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. I'm Johnny. And I'm Adam. Welcome to Pints and Politics, a UK podcast with a US partnership. We will analyse the political and ethical landscape in Britain, whilst having an overseas look at what's going on in America. We want to inform and educate you, but most of all, we want to be bloody entertaining. Without further ado, Adam, I think this is the first podcast of our partnership, reconciling a partnership that was so successful on University Radio. Way Pilot back episode. When. I know. That was know. a good good two years ago. So from 2017 to 2019, we were very successful as the Monday Bellrig show with Johnny yeah. and Adam, if I remember yeah. correctly. At Lancaster University as well. And as Adam said, this is our this is our first show, our pilot show for our look on politics. And anyone that knows me, or probably Adam, uh, they wouldn't want us on piloting their aeroplane. So I think that it's especially uh, after the number of pints we would consume. Absolutely, <laughs> you know, and, and that's the whole point, really. The whole point isn't to promote uh, excessive drinking. That's Adam's other podcast. The actual podcast is to promote the idea that politics, whether you're in your living room, you're at a restaurant, you're at the pub, which is very uh, a very popular thing or was a very popular thing in Britain, wherever you are, it should be able to be discussed freely. Debate should be something we all aspire to have. Just because at the end of the day, politics is something that affects all of us. And I think it should be something that shouldn't be, uh, people shouldn't be angry to talk about or they don't want to talk about because it is so important on everyone's lives. Now, the reason we went with the title Pints and Politics is me and Johnny would spend most of our time talking about politics, either on radio, as we're doing now, or in a podcast form, or over a cold pint of, it was normally, I'm still in a plastic cup. But we've improved since then and gone for something a little bit more Stella Artois in a, uh, in a uh, what do they call them? Fancy pint glass. F- fancy pint glass. There you go. Fancy that's pint glass. That- go with that one. That's absolutely right. the technical term. Um, and I mean, stuff. it is, it is. And as much as you'd love to talk, uh, we'd love to talk about glasses for a whole, a whole uh, episode. I don't think that's necessarily or beer in general. Or beer in general is a lovely topic. Other I podcasts, should... other podcasts are available for that kind of thing. I think um, as our beers, as our beers, yeah. Um, and I'm sure Adam's doing really well on Dry January as well. He's uh, 17 days yeah. in and he's got a big glass of red wine in front of him. Yeah, so it's and not it's a... fantastic for a solid week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> got the will of a of a baby who's got a sweet dangling over them. But it uh, is. Don't, don't, yes. don't, don't give babies sweets, kids. That's yes. Kind of or don't, and don't give maybe certain former presidents uh, any kind of. Um, you know, ah, exciting straight in there, straight no, in there with no. the political analogies. I, I, could, I could be, but I'd say, you know, when I want the sweet, Adam, I want a sweet, the beautiful sweet, the best sweet in the world. Beautiful I have sweet. great smelling. I've got a great tasting sweet going. We're not that talking about Donald, we're not talking about Donald Trump just yet, and we're going to jump straight in actually with our our look at Britain as a whole. And I apologise for that slightly verbose and rambly introduction, but this is the idea of what we want two hosts that pretend to like each other and deliver a level of analysis on the political stratosphere. So before we get, yeah, so before we get on to our first big topic, topic, big topic, um, (laughs) open a pint, sit back and uh, be ready to listen to a Welshman and a Northerner ramble on about the UK government. And it's worth noting that, of course, if you do not drink, then a pint of orange juice is absolutely on the table because, of and course... be aware know, that other pints of other types of orange juice are available across the <laughs> board. Yes, other non-alcoholic, uh, <laughs> other non-alcoholic spirit mixes are available and you don't have I, to mix them with spirits. I believe water is a common non-alcoholic drink drank amongst people. Walter? Water. Oh, water. 
Yeah. Okay, fantastic. Anyway, for the big headline this week, Adam, you know, we've got an American audience, particularly Mark, our, one of our uh, wonderful backers at Big Heads Media. He he admits it. He admitted to me actually on a call that we had recently that in America they don't necessarily have the view on Britain that we have, obviously because they're. They don't live in it like we do. Exactly. So I think it's (laughs) nice to try and give an insight. And they think life's quite tough for them at the moment. And it is. And I can sympathise with that from what we can see. We'll talk about that later on. But life's also not uh, amazing here either. And No, I suppose if you look at the last couple of weeks of Mm -hmm. American politics, you know, the storm on the Capitol building along yeah. with other numerous yeah. hate crimes and so forth which is doesn't happened. sound good when you put it like it that, does it? not sound good so we're here to not make you feel good about those things but rather to draw parallels with our own political grievances I absolutely think. very yeah. well put and we big go. topic big topic here in the uk for for us was the idea that well not the idea that the, the fact actually that as of Monday, when this podcast should be going out, uh, we've now in Britain closed our borders to the rest of the world. And to this me, this comes in wake. If I can just throw in, this yeah. comes in wake of two new coronavirus strands which have been detected in South America, and not wanting to put the country into a second prolonged lockdown as it's been since last Christmas. Yeah, um, the Conservative government have decided to close said borders. Continue. Well, no, yeah, absolutely. And to me, I was just going to say, Adam, that we we talked about this before off air. Britain is a you know renowned now across the world as a as a place that voted for Brexit and to be isolated from its biggest uh, economic friend in in many ways, the European Union, and it voted in that way primarily for a number of reasons. But one of the reasons was to take control of its borders and as i was saying to you the daily mail isn't my political kind of you know it's not it's not the thing i look towards for my to aid my political opinions but some of the people in the family get it we're all homebound sometimes i read it and i was reading a piece by richard littlejohn who i very rarely agree with and he was saying that exact point and i couldn't help but agree with him in these crazy times adam Sorry, in these crazy times, surely, I mean, it's so ironic, first of all, but second of all, surely we should have been locking down far earlier than at this point. Well, throwing in just a bit of context for those who are unfamiliar with the actual national scandal, which is being Brexit, which is an abbreviation of the British exit, Britain exiting the European Union, which is the Association of Europe and the UK, which Mm. deals in trade agreements and other, you know, I know people have been under it just to get clear what we're talking about with Brexit. And you are completely right. Now, one of the main driving forces, as you've outlined, which was highlighted in the Daily Mail, which is a notorious right wing newspaper in this country, <laughs> is that the British borders have not been closed with the same free will as was advertised prior to Brexit. Am I correct? I hope so, uh, because that's sort of... <laughs> a, yeah, that, that sounds good to me. Uh, well, yeah. that doesn't sound good to me, but yeah, I mean... <laughs> it's correct in context, but it doesn't yeah. sound great in person. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> um, but this was the thing, I mean, much maligned Donald Trump, uh, as Americans will know. One of the things that I actually thought he did well to begin with at the start of this pandemic was that he shut off the borders uh, from any flights coming from... No, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> he closed... Sorry, he built a wall there. That's my mistake. Sorry, I, I got mixed up. He built a wall. Beautiful wall. Beautiful wall. That will... That, wall. Uh, I mean, uh, Donald Trump is a very dangerous man, as recent weeks have shown, but he is also oh, Christ, probably yeah. the most memeable president or me- most memeable world leader in the world, perhaps... Only Boris, well, no, he's more memeable than Boris Johnson, but Boris Johnson's not he's too He's a well. very memeable guy. Yes. Uh, anyway, one of the things he did, 31st of January, Adam, he shut off travel from China. So any flights coming from China, they, they wouldn't be allowed into the United States. I thought that was a good move. I know we, we he gets much maligned for his response to the pandemic. Rightly so. He made promises but, and he yeah. went through with some of them at the start. No, 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 I know, I know. Yeah, I know. But what I'm saying is with response to the virus, he closed off the borders in Jan- January the 31st last year, closed off the borders to China early on, 
even though he did a, what many would describe as not a very good response to the pandemic, that early that early decision was a good decision, and it's not necessarily been replicated here. I want to ask you, why do you think that we've been so reluctant to close the borders when it's been quite clear when we're an island, Adam? First of all, just let's be clear: Britain is an island; it's not a Britain. landlocked country. No, yeah. So you know, in the context of Britain now, right? Yeah. So you may be wondering why we waffling on about cancelling flights from China in an American context yeah. whilst putting it to the British context. Mm. Now, to answer your question, Johnny, when Brexit was voted for, it was to be have complete autonomy over our own borders, so there was no free movement between Europe, mainland Europe and the island, which is Britain. Now, we were slow closing said borders right at the start of the pandemic simply because of economic gain. There was no other simple form. To, <laughs> there was no other way of discovering it. The, 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 the Prime Minister, the, the, the Conservative government, were just reluctant to shut down the economy. It you was think, as simple as that. No, no, I know, I know this, Adam, but you think that to keep borders open at all times, at most, most stages during this pandemic, you think that was solely for economic gain after, as you say, what many would describe in Britain as economic capitulation by going through with Brexit in the end. Yeah. You think it was to make up for that. But part of me thinks, maybe the cynic in me thinks, that it was also to maybe appease certain certain people, maybe consider themselves above the law, certain elite people with a lot of money, a lot of power, who can then pop in. Oh, Johnny, to... I wonder who you're talking about. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I, no I, it's not even... We, we, we can say that, yes, sure. No, I'm more generalising... The fact that there'll be people who we maybe, you know, rich businessmen, friends of the government, people who we don't necessarily see. And I'm only speculating, but there, there seems to be I know I know what you say with economic gain and so on about about flights and, and so forth. But was there really so much economic gain to be made in the middle of a pandemic? Really? No, there was not. And this is where the frustration lies. Hmm. You can just look at, say, uh, New Zealand now. New Zealand, one of the most successful countries throughout the pandemic. Literally, hmm. you can count. Well, I was going to, I can't say I can count them on two hands, but you can certainly fit the number of COVID cases. You do have a lot of fingers, Adam. So I don't yeah. know. <laughs> Just because I'm from Wales. Ha, ha, yeah. ha. Yeah. But um, <laughs> you can literally, there's been a very fraction of the, the population caught COVID, fraction of the virus was spread throughout the country simply because they shut down at the same time China, well, Wuhan shut down. Mm. Yeah. And then subsequently from August onwards, they were able to operate as normal. And that was great. Now, the UK did not follow that same sort of model. They did not follow those recommended guidelines. They thought it'll be fine. And, that, you know, it's the, it's, the, it's the typical British way. I don't know if uh, it's a common phrase heard in America, but it certainly is here, is keep calm and carry on. Famous from being in World War II, you know, I think it was King George, uh, what was he, King George V, that used to say keep calm, carry on and all that stuff. And it was like... Wasn't alive then, Adam, I don't know. So, uh, neither was I, but hey. Uh, no. uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it was very much that attitude, and that, that is what was replicated in the Conservative government. Because the Conservative Exceptionalism. Government, Exceptionalism, I think. Exceptionalism. Yeah, yeah. And so what's happened here is you've got a government who are fighting to keep people from panicking, keep trade going, keep people happy, you know trying to keep businesses happy because as the conservative government, they're very much economically driven, you know, the very much neoliberalistic ways of thinking. I, I, I don't know how to word this properly. However, that is the reason why they didn't close the borders. And, yeah. and it's as simple as that. Yeah. I mean, it's worth noting again that no government or very few governments or, well, I'm going to say any government, there's not one government that's not made a small, tiny, weedy mistake across the, across the board, I don't think. I mean, even New Zealand, they've done fantastically well, but along the way, and I don't, I haven't been able to follow their response in enough detail, but I can't imagine everything's been flawless because this is an unprecedented time. So I'm going to throw that out there in a small, small defence of the British government uh, in that sense. But for me on this issue, I do look at it and think that was an own goal. The borders, closing the borders, it wouldn't have even upset the people, the majority of whom in this no, country voted to, to protect the borders. It would have, it would have been applauded by the people. Yeah, if you were talking in a Brexit stance, then yeah. they should have closed those borders as soon as that virus came through. Yeah, yeah. And you're probably wondering now, um, if you know, said right at the start of this topic um, about 
Britain is closing its borders on yeah. Monday, which is tomorrow, or if you're listening, on Monday today. Um, <laughs> oh, the reason the week that, yeah. before. <laughs> and, the, and you're probably wondering, why the hell are these two British mm. people rambling on about, you know, um, why closing the border Monday? Simply because yeah. this was announced on Friday. Yeah. Now, if it was so important to close the border, then why the hell aren't they, didn't they do it on Friday? Yeah. It's not as if when they're shipping British nationals back from South America, back into England, back into Wales, back into Scotland, back into Northern Ireland, mm. that they're not going to carry that strain with them. Just because we've mm. got a British citizenship doesn't mean that we're not going to carry the virus. You know? yeah. <laughs> it's kind of laughable. I've got a nice story here, actually, Adam, and you know a bit about this. There's been a lethargic attitude, really, from the start, because I... For anyone who's just listening who doesn't know me, I did work in China and I was in China, not Wuhan, but in Shenzhen at the start of the pandemic. So I know how serious it was treated, uh, how seriously they treated you it. You brought it back with you. I brought it back, yeah. That's also a common narrative in this yeah. country. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes. Banter. No, anyway. Um, <laughs> banter gets people into trouble. Anyway, no, when it I does. came back, when I came back and... I was advised by my agents to come back because it was obviously a very serious thing in China. And in Britain, we were, as I was flying back, I was told you might, you will get, a, you will get a test. You'll get tested on your way back. At, at, I was going back to Manchester airport. I was expected to be tested, to be questioned about my time in China, to the people I was expect, and I expect to, I expect a thorough examination. Let's just say that. And all right, they did it. <laughs> I was very disappointed. No, um, <laughs> no, 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 no. But they did nothing. Nothing. No. I mean, they didn't even check that I'd been to China and I went through without a test, without a question. And, and this was a massive scandal at the time. This was a it, this was huge. In, they weren't even temperature checking people on the way into the country. Yes, yeah. it was new to everyone. Yes, it was uncharted territory, you know, yeah. unsailed waters, unexplored depths. However, come on, you know. But it, but it seems... shows, Adam, I think it shows right from the start, even though this has been a challenge for, as I say, any government would have faced new challenges and it would have been a struggle for anybody. I'm not saying it would have been, but from the start, there was a a genuine lack of understanding as to the severity of this. And, and I see, and I'm just going to say, is it, yeah, I agree. And I, and I still, I'm starting to believe that. They're still not really learning from past mistakes. They're no. still behind the curve. And well, here's is, hoping, yeah. here's hoping that they do change. I mean, we could go on about this for an hour, but we won't do because there are other stories that have emerged this week. One that I think is a bit more positive, uh, one that's just laughable from the... Brexit perspective, and we'll start with we'll start with the laughable one before we we finish with a bit of positivity. And Jacob Rees-Mogg, for anyone that doesn't know, is basically a politician and, that has openly admitted that he wants to live, wanted to live, sorry, in the 18, late eighteen hundreds or the early nineteen hundreds. Is that he kind of guy? Is, he's what you would call extremely eccentric, and he stood in Parliament the other week talking about Thomas, um, what was it, Thomas Cromwell, yes. and the devolution from the catholic church and it was all very uh uh well, well, reminiscent or whatever you want to call it oh <laughs> poor kid anyway <laughs> yes, so he's it, a bit of a weirdo yeah well i mean I, 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 i'll put this out there i actually think he's quite i think he's quite funny i think he's quite funny um, anyone I've, who wants to live in the late 18th century is going to have an element of comedy in them let's be honest i think it's the late 19th century adam i think you're, just gonna, you're going back about 100 years but he is i've got to admit he he op- opens himself up to mockery whenever i see him he handles himself very well to be fair he handles himself like a freight train on an ice rink that's yes, the only okay. way i could describe it what I would say is that I wouldn't necessarily have him down as someone that I would want representing the country at this moment in time. But as a personality, I mean, I actually prefer him to Boris Johnson. I think he's a bit you, more. You don't want you don't want him as your quarterback, that's for sure. Pretty much that. Good, 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 yeah. good NFL reference there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, See, I know. I know you American. Do, you do. <laughs> very good. Very good. Gold star. Right, go on. What, what's no, the story, Johnny? What well, is the yeah, story? It's, it's quite a basic one, really. That's that's the that's the the image of the person that we've depicted for you there, and he's claimed <laughs> he claims that the fish that couldn't make it in time 
uh, over to Europe, where, where some people in Europe had placed an order on Scottish fish, he said that they were happier fish because they were British fish. He said, so oh, that's good. So just to put that in context for you, <laughs> Brexit, part of the major Brexit argument was for Brexit was regaining control of British fishing territory. Yeah. Now, under the EU law, it was uh, European fishing trawlers mm -hmm. could use the British channels to fish. So if you've ever heard the uh, phrase, you know, give us our fish back, that's where it comes from. <laughs> so, Mr. Mog, <laughs> Mr. Mog, Mr. Mog, Mr. Mog, claimed that, which has a hint of xenophobia in it. I must, uh, I must say, that these fish, you know, rational beings, will be uh, happier in in British water than they will be yeah. abroad. I mean, I mean, it is. <laughs> that quite, is incredible. It's, it's quite a statement, to be fair. It's quite a statement. I yeah. mean. And the, it's not a great sense. It's not a great statement. Let's be honest. No, it's in, not because not you not know, an academic, cultural, no. or political way. It's just no. Not and I just an I just want to read. Statement. I just want to read the um, the quote attributed to it. SMP Commons leader Tommy Shepherd. Boats are confined to harbour. Lorry loads of seafood destroyed. The industry losing one million pounds a day as firms go bust. As all as a result of Brexit red tape imposed by this government. So that's the economic. Yeah, you know, but genuine economic issue. There. The fish are happier. Exactly. Well, there you go. And uh, on genuinely happier news, Adam. On genuinely happier news, I think it is good to mention that recently, I checked this yesterday, over 3.5 million UK citizens have received their first vaccination. Now, um, we want yes. to, well, I, I wanted to do it personally, at least, is yeah. to say, because this is what we've observed over this, you know, over on the other side of the Atlantic when we've been looking at. Yeah. Um, American politics is that it's been fueled by conspiracy yeah. and conspiracy knowledge is taking center stage mm -hmm. after operating on the periphery so many years and you know it's no it's not a scandalous thing to say that this has been perpetuated by the current president of the United States or the 45th president of the United States yeah. Donald J Trump so we want to say this is good news because this means we can move on with our lives so Absolutely. what is that good news, Johnny? Well, yeah, well, yeah it just essentially what I've just described. And we, you know, the UK has ordered 100 million Oxford, AstraZeneca and 30 million Pfizer vaccines. And I think what you say is absolutely right. And there is there is a there is a number of anti-vaxxers here in Britain as well. But I think I speak on behalf of Britain and America. The vast majority of people simply want to see this pandemic come to an end. And the quickest way we think that can happen is through the vaccines. And to be fair to the, and I'm going to be praising of the British government here, it seems like they made an early start on the vaccines. They went headfirst in from the start. It looks like they're yes. getting on with that quickly. And it's one know, of a few things they've done correctly, I should say. And, and hopefully, yeah. hopefully we can keep that going, that process going. There's not much to be said more on that. Just briefly again, because this isn't the sports podcast. My other one, look out for that. But uh, this, <laughs> one's, uh, this one's <laughs> obviously not aimed at that. But Marcus Rashford. Marcus Rashford, Premier League footballer, yeah. Is he a um, footballer, Johnny? <laughs> he is a footballer, yes. He's a footballer. Great. Right, great he's also an MBE, isn't he? I yes, he is. Yeah, he yeah. is. Um, and basically, the government... I'll let you describe this one, Adam, because you described yeah, it yeah. well earlier. Yeah. So, in the United Kingdom, due to the pandemic, due to Brexit, and due to other... Well, due to social issues and you know injustices in our uh, social systems... There's a lot of people having to go to food banks because they can't afford food from supermarkets. And a lot of uh, children were left without school meals in the closure of schools. Now, Marcus Rashford, in simple terms, told the government this was not good enough when they were all getting a pay rise during the pandemic. And that um, because they'd said that school children will not receive school meals as the schools are closed. Now, Mr. Rashford, the legend he is, campaigned and said this is not good enough and therefore got the government to do a U-turn on that policy, having them to give £30 per child on, on meals. And is that to cover three meals, Johnny, if yeah, I can remember? Yeah, I think yeah. so, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so it emerged in the news last week that Rashford had come across one of these food boxes and the contents were, well, it was appalling. Yeah. He went to a local big brand supermarket and he managed to top up a box or his basket, match all the items that were in this £30 meal box for the kids for a 
for five pounds. So yeah. 30 pounds the government claimed, mm. and it was actually five pounds worth from your yeah. local supermarket. And let's be honest, Mr. Rashford lives in a very rich part of the UK. So let's be honest, you know, if he can do it off five pounds, there's no reason why the government can't in some of the poorer areas. And this caused, well, a massive scandal, yeah. didn't it? Because yeah. five pounds for one £30-pound box, then in theory, you should be able to put six boxes for that one £30. Pretty much the main argument. Well, I feel like just just you missed issue. out on this because obviously, well, you don't you don't follow football, but you've, everyone in Britain really has seen that in particular. But the big argument, the big emotional weight behind Rashford's campaign was that he went through what many of kids in Britain are going through now because he lived with a single mum who was struggling to pay for certain. Um, Things when he Real was younger, bad yeah. socioeconomic situation. Yeah, exactly. So he's gone through the situation, and the best thing about it for me is, even as a footballer, footballers get a lot of criticism, and sometimes I think a bit unfairly because a lot do do things for their local communities, and it's not their fault they get the extravagant wages that they do. But he's not just sat back and counted up the counted up the the, the notes, so to speak. He's looked at the world, seen a massive problem, especially in these horrible times, and he's made a stand for it, as well as playing week in, week out for Manchester United. So absolutely massive respect to Marcus Rashford there. And the fact that even after campaigning for it the first time round, back in August 2020, it was July, August time, if I remember. No, it, no, it wouldn't have been August because schools went on. Uh, what was it? Was it September? Yeah, I can't yeah, remember. It was, it was, it was, it was yeah. mid-2020. Yeah, I remember yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to be pointing out some, you know, fake news. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it was during the 2020 pandemic. He campaigned it then. And when they failed to deliver this time, he continued his fight. And massive Absolutely. Respect on that no, massive respect. Anyway, yeah. another section now, move, moving on from, from news that we've, we've analysed this week, is a small feature, a small feature that we'll do every week, looking at something to do with Britain, not necessarily specific to Britain, but something that you would expect to find within it's certainly a characteristic of British yeah. society. And this week we're going with pubs, uh, the general feeling of pubs. And it's something that the pub and hospitality sector in Britain has behaved really hard, as it has across the globe. Uh, I think it's as the hardest. Pandemic. Yeah. yeah, you're completely correct. It's definitely the hardest hit industry sector of the UK at the moment. Um, and pub life in general, you know, what was it at one point, especially after the, the 2008 financial crash, there was at least one pub closing a day in the UK, which is, and, and that's a significant hit on British culture. Hmm. And Adam's going to try his best to keep every pub in Britain open with I am, uh, indeed, several, from several having trips. at least one pint from each one before I turn 70. If I one, make it to 70, that is. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> Don't drink, kids. <laughs> but um, but no. only if you want to. <laughs> yeah, no, sure. I mean, to be fair, we often people often joke about excessive drinking being attributed to British people, and you would be a prime example for that stereotype. <laughs> however, <laughs> yeah, however, 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 <laughs> It is worth noting that going to pubs is not about getting really drunk. It's sometimes it is, but mo a lot of the time it's for the ambience. And what I was going to say is that when I went, obviously at university, you know this, and many people who know me quite well know this, I had a kidney problem, which had nothing to do with alcohol. I do not even joke. It was nothing to do with alcohol. And I used to go to the pub and not drink because at the time I couldn't do it. My body would have function properly really and if I did drink alcohol it just made it a lot worse but so it's not just about drinking excessively it is about having the ambience going to your local pub having one or two not even having any if you don't want and just having a chat with friends it's just it's about being sociable it's about having a common place to talk about yes. your troubles to talk about your happy moments and and, and and so on talk about your life essentially and when mental health so strikingly high, mental health problems so strikingly high during this pandemic, I think one of the reasons is those lack of places to go with your friends to chat and to chill. I mean, would you echo those thoughts? Do you see that as a, as a do you see a, a public house in Britain as on a serious level, a place where you can unwind, yeah. discuss, chat, just be just be chill? Exactly. You know, um, obviously going back to your um, you know, going back to reminisce over our university yeah. days. Yeah. Now, going to the pub was a, a very good thing to do. And, and we would talk 
you know, you talk politics, you would talk love life, you would talk issues, problems, failures, successes, mm. you know, sadness, happiness. But the key thing content. is talking, isn't it? The key thing is talking. talking. Yeah. And I did and, the mo- and I did the most gentlemanly thing known to man or you know, the most gentlemanly person. No, I could, I can't use how do you make gentlemanly gender neutral? Is it uh the most, the most respectful thing one could there you do go. is um is I drank on your behalf, didn't I? Did, you, you did drink on my behalf. Adam did drink I, on I, my behalf once. We went to a beer festival. This is quite fun. We went to a beer festival. That was in a local university pub. And Adam was so drunk, he was trying to show me where he used to live. And he, he had to clue. He was walking did around. He was pointing. <laughs> you did. You were pointing aimlessly at one of the black flags. Yeah. And I said, time to go home now. And you were, and I don't know. Anyway. What is the, that that's the thing I think that's missed most, not being stupid or such, but the the sociable place to go. And also, I must say that uh, oh, what is also a really bad thing, as we've touched on before, is the loss of livelihoods, the, the economic catastrophe that's hit this sector. Many pub owners, many people who work in that sector, it's just absolutely soul destroying at the moment for them. So I was just going to, and if we can just link what you've just said there to politics. Yeah. It is that very little consideration has been given to keep this such important characteristic of British life going, which yeah. has resulted in many politicians being barred for life from most yeah. British pubs, if I'm right in saying. I think so, yeah. Um, it's really different. In fairness, fairness to the government, and I say this as someone who you know really respects pubs and, and what they offer it from a social perspective, it's very hard to really attack the government solely on this because quite frankly they cannot open on any moral standpoint they cannot open during this period because they no. would be a breeding ground for the virus so it's a very difficult one to for me to really jump in on the government because i tell you what whoever yes. was in charge it would be really hard to keep these businesses afloat unfortunately that's the way it is a breeding ground for for uh, the coronavirus and this was um, and, you know, and you're completely correct in saying that, and I completely agree, simply because at one point, and this was another downfall, which, uh, yeah. you know, f- spread across the uh, the British landscape like wildfires, how could we possibly keep this fundamental British characteristic, the great British pub, where we can go down, have a pint, talk about our problems, whilst the local school's closed and your child hasn't been educated properly because of yeah. the pandemic. Yeah. So, you know, weigh up the morals, and it's up to you which way you want to sell, yeah, you know, yeah. which side of the scales you want to sell. However, yeah. it's 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 a, it's a you know it's such a difficult, especially yeah. when it's such a an ultimate part. It's like we're such a boozy nation, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> but but it, but yeah, we we are, yeah, yeah. we okay. drink so much beer. <laughs> There we go. <laughs> we cared more about pubs than schools. <laughs> <laughs> some honestly, some people probably do. Like us. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm all for schools over, yeah, over no, pubs. No, but, you know, no, but just it's to yeah. clarify that I'm not, you know, a complete slave to the uh, boozer. Okay. No, no, no. He, he's not. He's not. He does have. He did a degree in politics and philosophy, so he does have some way with words yeah, I, from time to time. Hey, um, yeah. no, but but Adam, actually, really. <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go. So if this has taught you anything, it's just believe the stereotypes. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, like, no, um, just on the debate, I mean, this moves really well on, actually, from that. You touched on it a little bit towards the end. And this debate I've been thinking about, I've written a piece on this actually for a website. Um, I can't. It was a, it was a while ago. I think it still rings true now. Big debate for to, for today's uh, episode is: Has the coronavirus shown the vulnerability of populism? Now, I want to get your thoughts straight away before I rib it on. How would you define populism, and do you think there's a legitimacy to that statement? Just off the bat. Well, the key fundamental characteristics of populism is having a political leader that identifies with the common person through campaigning against the elites of those who run the country. You know, anyone you want to label a bureaucrat, anyone you want to label as money grabbing, as inconsiderate, selfish, you know, you think of any prejudice you see from a government. And if you identify these prejudices bestowed upon the common person from such elites, that is populism. Now, And I believe 
personally, I believe that's the general form of it in a very broad definition. I'm not saying that that's the right definition, but it's a very broad, I think that's generally a broad definition of it. Now, the question you throw at me is, has you know, coronavirus shown the vulnerability of populism? Now, we all know between Brexit and we can draw this parallel with Donald Trump becoming president, is that standing on stage and telling people that other people are stealing your jobs and that it's not your fault or that other trades are taking your money and that's not your fault or, you know, and so forth and so forth, people are going to believe it. And then when something like the coronavirus hits within a month causing global shutdown, you know, it, 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 it's like sticking, you know, a, a crowbar between two pieces of wood and splitting it in half simply because it just is not true. Mm. Yeah, it's not true to say that these people aren't looking after you, especially when you voted in that person on populist belief. Yeah, And this has been seen at Brexit when we're unable to control our own borders after the former Brexit. And the fact that the United States economy has hit its lowest point since literally post-war, you know, Great Wall Street crash, all these historic events it falls into that same category of economic depression mm. so and that is all based on populist belief so yeah. i can't possibly well i mean part of it's down to a, uh, a global pandemic adam i suppose yes of course it is <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah that i should probably clarify <laughs> yes the pandemic caused most of this just to let you know but what the pandemic has done is demonstrate yeah. how populism can only get you so far because yeah, I, if you are if you if you're fighting a one-sided battle, you'll never reach a point of agreement. Resolution, them. yeah. Resolution. I, th- I think it's a. I think it's so obviously. You know, I've mentioned it before. I'm a huge football fan, and in football, there's a thing called tribalism, which is similar to populism, where people yes. support their team through thick and thin. I actually think that's good. I like that. I think it's in sports healthy. Oh, yes, exactly. I'm getting to it. So that's competitivity yeah. that's healthy in sport. I love it. And also in in general, I love a co- having a competitive edge. I love the fact that, and it's also it's also good for for social conversation. So, for example, two Liverpool fans or two Burnley fans or two Manchester United fans, they might never have met each other, but then when they meet each other, they see the connection. They they, they both wearing a, a, the shirt of the same team. They meet and they talk. Quick anecdote, when I was in China, I was wearing a Burnley shirt and I bumped into a millionaire who was also a Burnley fan. He bought me and drinks and food. Drinks yeah, he bought me drinks yeah. and food for the rest of that. He did, yeah, 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 he did, he did. Um, and if I, if I could just like go, um, just to explore that point even a bit more, yeah. it's like, um, I don't want people, especially, you know, America, your current you know, political state is very divided. And of course, you've got those who believe on both sides. But it's like, at the end of the day, you're both American and that should be your meeting point because as a Welshman, I'm one of three million people. So if I go to any country and meet another Welsh person, we are instantly best friends because we are Welsh. So I'm not saying that that sort of tribal populist feeling where of unity Mm. is wrong. Yeah. But it's it's but at the same time it's completely different to populism. I don't really think sure. there's a parallel in that. No, no. Same the way. Thing, the th- no, the, I was getting to that. I was getting to that. So the difference is that I think populism is like toxic tribalism. It's like yes. where. Yes. So go. yeah, yeah. That's it's what I was getting hooligans. to. It said. Mm, I think it can get there, and that's when it's very dangerous when you can ignore evidence, black and white evidence that's right in front of your eyes because you have a common belief in certain ideals. For example, if you think your country is better than everything else, that they're always right, that it's someone else's fault in every situation, you've touched on it before about people stealing jobs, then you're not taking accountability. It and means you're not you, recognising the situation in front of you're you. Not, you're not. You're not doing is. that. And listen, with Brexit, it has happened. and It was a majority vote, yeah. and that was that. Yeah, and with Brexit... Listen, I try and be as objective as possible or or maybe as neutral as possible in in situations like this. Maybe not. Maybe that's a lie. But I don't try to play the the Ramona tag, if you will, because sometimes it's like, do people have a day off? I genuinely want Brexit to succeed in a way, because if it succeeds, we succeed as a nation. I would like that. I'm not someone who's going to sit back and go (laughs) to the the people that voted that. The issue is... And this is where it's coming to the pandemic. That 
sort of situation has created an identity and brought back the pop the populism in Britain's come back as a result of that in the same way it came back with Trump in America. It almost happened in tandem, very close to each other, those two events. And it created, and you've touched on it, a lot of hatred, a lot of division, and a lot yeah. of blindsidedness towards problems like the pandemic. And when just you've got basic world leaders, fact. Yeah, when you've got leaders yeah. out there that the chest and shout, you know, we are Americans, we are Britain, blah, blah, blah. And that is their attempt to get into power and they get into power by doing that and playing that hand that doesn't fill you with confidence when something that requires really true strong leadership like a pandemic comes around the corner because then what do you do because all of those words about thumping the chest and re recollecting national anthems and saying we are the best nation it's all pointless if you don't have substance to back up those points exactly Pop yeah, if you rely on populism, it's not going to end well, I don't think. I'm all for no. being proud of your nation. I'm all for being... I'm all definitely for, for being... national to, identity, yeah. I'm definitely all for being to challenge bureaucrats, to challenge the elite, yeah. and to yeah. challenge the social norms, especially when it is genuinely socially, economically disadvantaging the yeah. you know the majority of the population. You look at America, yeah. what's it? What's it? something ridiculous that 10% of the population have 50% of the of the wealth, something like that. I, I, I can't remember, but it, the, the absolute yeah. um, like the, you know, the disparity, the disparity between the wealth is shocking. Like yeah, it, is. It, it, is, it is, it is shocking. It is. And, um, and especially when it comes to like, it's all the, you know, the elites fall. Oh, yes, it is to a degree, especially when you have, you know, what, three of the wealthiest men in the world are all Americans. Welshiest. Welshiest. Who is? I thought you said three of the Welshiest. No. <laughs> the wealthiest. <laughs> you completely throw me off your point there. Yeah, go on. Oh, sorry. Three of the wealthiest men, you know, or three of, you know, yeah. the, the billionaire club. Yeah. You've got Bill Gates. Jeff Bezos, and you have um, Elon Musk. Yeah. Must total roughly 600 billion yeah. totaled up or yeah. 550 billion combined. Yeah. And that is a phenomenal amount of money. Yeah. That, that, that is too much. So is populism right when it comes to challenging the elite on their, you know, you know their, their immoral behaviours when it comes to not paying tax and all that See, see what stuff? I would say, though. What yeah. I would say, maybe, though, yeah, maybe, maybe so. I don't know. And we'll have a, we'll have a section on Brexit. It's not it's not right now because that could be about half an hour. But what I'll, just as a slight touch on that, I just want to move on to Brazil slightly, and then we'll move on uh, with the populism. But you say is populism rights challenge that? Perhaps yeah. But when I look at Brexit, some... I see that I see that as a gateway to actually allowing for even easier uh, ways of avoiding to pay tax. Because how are you going to how are you going to encourage businesses that aren't that were on the fence about investing in Brexit Britain, how are you going to encourage them to put money into Britain, make it a tax haven, remove tax? And then you've got a whole new gateway for that kind of thing to happen. And it's even more, well, it's, it's legal then. So I don't think that's necessarily the right way about going about it. We'll have a big chat about that on another time. Obviously, not right now. The sailing into dodgy waters is which is the... And the sea being the pub, <laughs> but 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 it, but it is possible. I mean, Monaco Monaco attracts uh, people, the, the very wealthiest people, by being a tax haven. If Britain Brexit Britain doesn't have the same gravitas as it did in the European Union, that is a very possible avenue that it could go down. And it we'll have to we'll have to see what happens. What I would say is that it could open the door for a lot of jobs. But yeah, I think um, these are all yeah. very broad statements that we don't really know or have Absolutely, the evidence to back but them I with, have, or I even have, the statistics. But 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 it but it is a possible speculation that I've read about from various different people. Anyway, what I was saying um, in the Brazil case uh, of populism, which is what we're really talking about, is I used to do uh, tutoring for Cambly. Other tutoring sites are available, and many people were just were just exhausted with the chaos in in Brazil. Many Brazilians caused with their populist regime, a president that refused to believe in the virus and just told people to get on with what they were doing. And again, it's just another example of a country that has fallen foul, really, really foul of this pandemic, because quite frankly, the leaders didn't take it seriously. 
They turned a blind eye and it is now not looking good in that South American country. Anyway, um, moving on to a bit of America, because as I have touched on several times, now that we have a US partnership, it's only right we talk a little bit about the state of America right now. And the state of America uh, right now, as Mark has said, uh, Mark from Big Heads Media, it's, it's not great. And, and I think this is a shared opinion yes. globally, if we can be perfectly honest with you, from yes. those outside looking into the current state of affairs of American politics. Yes, yes. I mean, it's, it's, it's just, I mean, Donald Trump has been impeached for a second time, okay? First and, in US history, from the last yeah. 45 presidents, he is the first. Or the last 44, he's the first being the 45th. Yeah. What struck me, and I know it was a source by Talk Radio, and for anyone that's wondering, Talk Radio is it's also the sister channel to Talk Sport, which is a common radio channel which talks about sport in the UK. Talk Radio, kind of the sister channel, talks about politics. And their audience is probably slightly different to mine and Adam's uh, perspectives. But a poll, of quite a substantial poll on that, which asked, should President Trump be impeached? 66% said no. Is there any reason from your point of view, Adam, as to why President Donald Trump shouldn't have been impeached? Well, there's many avenues one could argue here. Being impeached, this is serious. Yeah. Like, it's a serious boo-boo. It's a bad thing to happen. So do you want that on record? Many people don't want no. to see somebody that they elected perform that sort of thing again, um, especially twice, you know. Mm-hmm. And second of all is, he, what he's got what? A week left? No, he hasn't yeah. got a week left now, has so he? Got he's got less got now, yeah. three yeah. days left yeah. in office. Mm-hmm. He could maybe be prosecuted with a little bit more effect for his previous... Yeah. Well, let's just say his ongoing um, investigations. And you never know, maybe some people on the left who are anti-Trump may find that or may feel that. Let's not impeach him because maybe we can, you know, get him on more things then he actually has already been, he's done in his presidency rather than just this one, you know, yeah. resurgence, you know, or whatever they called it. What, what, what's the technical term? I don't remember mm. now. No. Yeah, it, stage it, in a coup. Oh. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Adam, should he face prison? Well, on what charge? You know, yeah. this, this is, once again, it comes to it, you know, people died and he, you know, he directly said on television, we love you. Now go home peacefully and calmly. We know this election's been... They're they're all unsubstantiated false claims. You know, he's going against the American democracy. He's going against American ways of doing things Mm. by saying that it was a fix. You know, it was was rigged. So should he go to prison? People died, Johnny. Yeah. And on that point alone, for someone who will deny that that democracy worked for him, even though it worked for him in the previous time, he was prepared to accept it the first time around when he yeah. won, just because he didn't win this, win this time. I'm no judge, but personally, I feel like there should be an, at least an ounce of accountability thrown at his direction. Uh, Donald Trump Jr. said, this isn't the Republican Party, this is the Donald Trump Party. So he's already over, over, over sort of usurped the party that he's representing, I think, with his personality, I- with his way of politics. Yeah. With his Trumpism. Am I right in saying that quote has been pulled from Trump Jr.'s Trump, speech yes. made prior to the storm on the Capitol building? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Now, um, surely that is an insult on American democracy and an insult on the Republican Party. Oh, sure. Absolutely. I mean, the last crazy. time I read a quote like that, it ended in a world war. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I mean, With Adam, you. You make a really good I, point because I, I I don't want to like accuse like yo know, there could be Trump supporters listening to this right now. I am not insulting your political beliefs, and I'm certainly not going against what you believe is right and wrong. But all I'm saying is the history books never end well when somebody says something like that. We've we've spoken about this a little bit briefly before the podcast. There had been comparisons between Stalin. 1930s Germany. In many yeah. ways, and and, Stalin, and what happened? There? And, and, uh, sure, as a, sure. As, and, uh, as a fascist leader, yeah, yeah, yeah. And a few months ago, 
I've got to be honest, I looked at that and thought, oh, hello, lefty conspiracist. That's what I that, thought. Yeah, proper Antifa, you know. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah angry Antifa sort of rant. Yeah. Sort of. yeah, yeah and I, I did think that. But as it's built up and the the genuine bizarre nature of what's happened in America over the past few weeks, few months, I wouldn't say that it's crystal clear, but I would say that it certainly looks a little bit more believable or the claim seems a little bit more believable. And it's de- I, I think the blessing is that regardless of whether he should have been, he should be impeached for a second, should have been impeached for a second time or not, his time in office is very, very, well, it's, it's basically gone now, depending on when you listen to this podcast. And the scariest thing would be if he had a few more months left, because that would be Some scary. people may laugh at that statement, but yeah. from somebody like us who yeah. quite politically literate and not sitting outside, you know, the playing field of American politics and yeah. looking in, this is scary. Like, yeah. when you actually see this guy has... The same guy who's denying an individual's ability yeah. to count ballots mm. has the same access to nuclear codes. You know, the same guy who's you know got away with multiple accusations of you know sexual assault, fraud, bribery. Yeah. yeah. You know, it, the list goes on. You know, the Trump family have had three thousand court cases made against them in the last three decades. And we want to put this guy back in office. Yeah, you, I mean, would you, would, I, I ask every father out there: Would you allow your daughter to date a guy like that, or you know, any mother, any father, anyone who is a right-wing supporter of Donald Trump? Yeah, would you let your daughter or your son or whoever date somebody like Donald Trump? Would yeah. you want no, that part no, of it's, it, it's, a, it's very fair. Like, yeah. and it's worth noting when I do the impressions of him, I separate that. You know, the, the pretend because he's so memeable, we separate oh, that yeah. exactly when we talk about it. him. <laughs> yeah, but when is. we talk, when we talk about it in truth, this you, you know, we both have the same opinion of Trump in, in, the, in the danger that he provides. On the other hand, he, if anyone watches Spitting Image, he is the he's a he's their dream, you know, he's the yeah, dream he's of any stand up comedian, he's the dream he's of a- any imp- impressionist because he's quite an easy voice to do. But when we have serious discussions like this, it's important to separate the fact that while we do that, we are laughing with him in that sense. Um, we are yes. simply taking specific, a few quotes out, you know, times where he was less scary, where he was less violence, less inciting of violence. You know, these are two separate things. And we, do, we don't in any way condone the actions of President Donald Trump. Uh, but also at the same time, like Adam said, if there are any Trump supporters out there, we don't want to undermine your intelligence or, or call you an idiot, because, again, everyone has the right to a political opinion. And I think part of the problem as to why maybe populism is so powerful now is because other people who may claim to be intellectuals throw away the opinion or ridicule the opinion of another who maybe isn't, doesn't have that background of education or, or, or yeah. experience. Politics has become um, a political debate, at least. Yeah. It's become more of a shouting contest rather than a discussion. Yes. Now, I'm probably, you know, me more than Johnny, I should think, if you've been listening to this as a Trump supporter and think, oh, my God, this guy is completely Antifa. He's been brainwashed, you know, all that type of stuff. Yeah, I'm aware of your opinions and I'm aware of your arguments. But at the same time, we have to, you know, I'm educated. You know, me and Johnny have degrees we are politically literate. We listen to the news and read multiple sources across multiple platforms. Yeah. And as yeah. Johnny said at the start of the uh, podcast, you know, the Daily Mail, the Economist are all notoriously British right wing, yeah. you know, things to buy, you know, opposite to the Guardian, the Observer being the left wing yeah. material. Sure. All we're saying is we've made a rational decision on our own part over the material we've read. So yeah. we don't want anyone to get upset over what we're saying. So, no. Uh, well put, well put. And, and that's the point, actually, within politics. We should be able to listen, not bicker or, uh, well, bicker in a, in a polite sense, but not throw insults or trade attacks on each other, because that's not how yeah. we make progressive changes. That's not how we move forward as a society. And if this podcast teaches anything, it's, it's that you, you can listen and are open to a whole, a whole array of views across the political spectrum. But a and nice way can- to... Yeah, go on. Yeah, I was just going to say, and 
one thing that me and Johnny always just laugh about, the best thing to ever do is, yeah. n- is not shout fake news just because you don't like what you're hearing. Yeah. <laughs> Listen Unless to it. it's in a certain voice. <laughs> yeah. There's always a correct context, let's be honest. <laughs> it's not fake. But, um, news. Fake news. Exactly. Oh, I don't know who that was. Uh, but anyway, I have no idea. No, 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 no. Uh, 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 we want to uh, bring back Britain, build back better. Yes. That was um, like British again. Yes. If you didn't know, that was the impression there was quite obviously George Bush. Anyway, <laughs> go to the um, <laughs> we'll go to the uh, funny stories to finish. It's a nice way to finish uh, what has been uh, a behemoth of a pilot podcast. And I found this hilarious. It was a story that came on the news that uh, last week, a group of, I think it was teenagers, and I can double check now. It's can I just throw in us? Yeah. As Johnny finds the correct article, me and Johnny notoriously at Bell Rig FM used yeah. to throw um, what they were uh, were funny news stories into yes. our radio show because, well, we frankly found them hilarious about how stupid some people can actually be or how bizarre somebody's situation was or just how daft the world can be sometimes. And we always thought it's good. And because the world was so depressing at that time between yeah. the shambles of Brexit and the election of people that we didn't particularly want in power, we yeah. found the best way to enjoy the news was through the well, the weird stuff you found under weird news. <laughs> and although he hasn't told you explicitly, I think it's quite clear that Adam is a strong conservative and believer in Brexit. So um, that's yeah, I'm just, not uh, a fan of Brexit, guys. That's a personal <laughs> opinion, okay? Yeah. Like, if you want Brexit, you have Brexit. I didn't vote for it, but it's happened. Yeah. I'm just going to drink my way through it okay yeah there you go. <laughs> i mean there you go <laughs> brexit brexiteers are all teetotal and all these remainers they just uh they don't they just drink the way through everything so um, yeah man there you go <laughs> fantastic that's reversing there there we go building new stereotypes that's what we do okay that's yeah this one do. from the leicester mercury actually as i was touching on before you said that two men in leicestershire just for context we're all in lockdown now in the uk can't really leave our local areas unless it's urgent. But two men there's from Leicestershire. No, yeah, two there's men no from restaurants. No, but to, well, two men. Well, there's only no, takeout. Yeah, yeah, fine. Two, two, uh, two men from Leicestershire have been fined by police for breaking coronavirus rules by going to McDonald's restaurant in another county. And the pair were fined £200 after leaving for the fast food outlet in Chesterfield yesterday. I mean, this was actually on January the 1st, but it was on the news last week. Uh, so it's slightly later. And this was just before the lockdown was imposed. But at the time, <laughs> we were still in, we still expected to stay regionally, you know, within, within our regions. <laughs> Imagine being, imagine being that desperate for a know, month isn't it? Yeah, I know. <laughs> you went to the next county. Yeah, it's bad, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Other <laughs> drinks are available. You? I like Tropicanas, to be fair, but um, yeah. Are you going was... to McDonald's and buy a Tropicana? Yeah. What, I, I, what I, breed no, no, are no, you? No, no. Yeah. Northern, <laughs> Northern oh. breed, no. no I mean, wait, wait. No. You, no, no, Tropicana is not an old drink. You go to a pub and ask for a, for a lager and lime, and they'd say, Book do cocktails, mate. Yeah, it's not alien enough. Um, no, that's very true. Hops no, in it. <laughs> no, no. But I mean, you're right. I, was, I laughed so much at the story. I mean, the, the fine as well, it's ridiculous. I mean, the extent that people will go to. I remember when we finished the first lockdown, the queue for a McDonald's when they reopened was crazy. It was, it was it was a mile long almost, and you had people waiting there. Oh, Did anyone do have got an obesity crisis? Nuggets. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, <laughs> it's bad, isn't it? Like, I don't get it. I didn't get it, me. I'm not that upset. The best thing about from McDonald's from in China, when we used to when we used to order in China, I think the best thing was the sausage and egg McMuffin, which was, oh, there you go. I've been Johnny, he's been Adam. We've covered a lot of I've topics. I've been Adam. Yes, I've been Adam has. and he's been Johnny. <laughs> yes, he has. He has. Adam's had a few glasses of wine, I think. But I've only had two. Have you? Yeah. I've been a good think, boy. Adam it's has a, a Sunday, to- Johnny. Adam has a low <laughs> tolerance level. No, we'll be back. <laughs> we'll be back next. We'll be back next week. It's true. We'll be back next week with more discussion like this. Uh, and if you want to follow us at Twitter, I think it's at Pint and Pull, and I really do need to get that account up and running. 
What do you mean? You think it is? I have no idea about that. No, 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 no. But uh, it's a newly made account. And if it's not, I will make it that way right now. But uh, yeah, please, please do follow us. Please do keep listening. And we hope to to build a little bit bit of a following with this. Yeah. And if you've uh, enjoyed this podcast and you want more of me giggling like a 12 year old, which I am. Then follow him on OnlyFans. (laughs) 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 See you next week, everyone. See you next week. See you next week. Bye-bye.